So to introduce you, by the way, do you go by Anthony officially all the time? I do. I, I go by Anthony. Sweet. Anthony. There's a lot of Anthony's in my jujitsu class, by the way. The, um, you're not, are you Italian? I'm not. We've got a lot of Italian. But Anthony's having, in my moved, class. having moved up, up to New England, I, I do run <laughs> into a lot more Anthony's up here. <laughs> So we, got, we have Anthony Wheat on the floor. I mean, on the show, uh, Director of Information Technology, Stratus Technologies, everyone out there, you're listening to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And we're getting into, we could, we could call this the third season, but it's probably just the second season because I wasn't really important enough in the first season, but this is kind of a big deal. And I think this is a great, uh, um, a great, show to start off I guess the year that we're going to start I guess the new the new year is going to be November 1st for me we'll try to break this up you know have some some companies do October for their for their new uh, new financial year and uh, we're just right. going to change it up for uh, to November but anyways uh, give me a little bit of a breakdown uh, what's your day-to-day job what do you do right now and then we'll get into it sure so in, as you uh, introduced our director of technology at Stratus Director of Information Technology at Stratus Technologies. Um, You know, day to day, uh, I I really run um, or lead the infrastructure team as well as the enterprise applications team for for the organization. Um, You know, everything that comes with that service desk, uh, all the line of business applications, data center infrastructure, uh, really starting to pick up telecom. um, Oh, good. I love that. Cloud-based, you know, Azure 365, Salesforce, uh-huh. uh, those types of applications and programs as well. So let's go back in time. Where, how did this all get started? What was your first computer? What was your first, I don't know, intimate or the intimate relationship with technology? Yeah, so I grew up, uh, I guess you would say on a farm in Arkansas, a cotton farm. Uh, really, my family farmed cotton for many, many years. Uh, my grandfather. And in Northeast Arkansas, and I really, I didn't have a computer growing up. Um, you don't have that I, in, uh, you don't have that in Arkansas, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and for all my Arkansas people out there, let me, uh, let me go ahead and correct you. Arkansas was a state before Kansas was, so it should be Arkansas and Kansas. Oh, there we go. There we go. See, we learn, see, now we're really educating people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't have a, a computer growing up. I didn't really get one until after uh, I, I joined the military right out of high school, the Navy, and uh, not until I was a couple of years in the Navy did I get my first laptop. Um, but I, in the Navy, in the in the military, I, I did telecommunications and, and information technology. It wasn't called IT back then. Um, I was uh, my job title was radioman, uh, but it encompassed. ADP is what they called it back then, automated data processing. This is the mid nineties. Radio man, you know, I should have named this show Radio Man. That would have been a lot cooler. <laughs> radio, Radio Man. That's that's pretty sweet. So, well, first of all, how do you get into be? How do you get to be Radio Man if you're from Arkansas or saw Arkansas you know, or saw it's, Arkansas? It's a really, it's it's a really short story. Um, when I went to processing and and they gave me options for jobs in the military, yep. um, they offered me. Uh, to be a cook, and I, I, I everyone gets that. Wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't ready for that. Nope. Um, they offered me operation specialist, which sounded really cool, and it was uh, basically ship navigation, mm. radars, things like that. Mm. And then the last thing they offered me was radioman. And in my head, I immediately thought of you know one of these guys in Vietnam with the green huge backpack. Yeah. Uh, phone, calling in, calling in. in uh, yeah, we got to call in a strike. Right, calling an um, airstrike. But it wasn't. It was. It was really ship to ships, ship to satellite communications, telecommunications, um, and they had just merged in the data processors. Was the other, other um, job that they merged into Radioman at the time, which encompassed at the time I, IT. It wasn't called IT. It was data processes. It, it, processing is what they called it. Um, so let's go back. Well, let's paint a picture yeah, for yeah. all these. Let's paint a picture for all these. I don't know privileged people that are out <laughs> listening to the show. This was 1996, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, 96. So, so 1996, what did we have? What did we have in 1996? I can tell you where I, I graduated high school in 95. I stayed back yeah, in first too. grade, so I should have probably graduated in 94. But 
when I graduated high school, I did not have a cell phone. I did have a 486 computer with probably, I don't even know what the RAM was. Um, internet was like something that my friend, like my nerdy friend had like, a, I remember him bragging about it. I think it was, was it 56K modem, dial-up modem? Was it 56K? Is that yeah. right? You know, bragging yeah. about that. He was bragging about that. And I'm like, you know, what the heck are we really going to do on the internet anyways? Our messaging boards and like, you know, you know, other nefarious activity. He went on to become a Navy SEAL. And uh, so anywho, just for, for people out there, like, listening, if you weren't around for this era of time, then I just don't see how you can appreciate anything. This is how I know I'm old now because I'm talking about the olden days, you know, prior to or at the birth of the internet. So what you guys have is Radio Man on the ship. So you went straight to getting to play with actually like probably the most high-tech stuff that would have been available at the time. Yeah, yeah. My my first my first duty station was a forward deployed ship based in Italy. So my first six years in the Navy, I lived in Italy, which was amazing. Um, but what I remember is maybe one to two years after I had been on board, we got a desktop refresh, and uh, we got gateway computers, and they came in as Pentium nineties and Pentium one thirty threes. Yeah. And it was the first time anybody had seen a Pentium, so you know it was it was a big deal. <laughs> it, it was a big deal because. I just remember Pentium being a big deal. And Gateway was all over the place for anyone that doesn't remember right. that. Gateway, the, the cow. cow. Cow boxes. Yeah, we, we had a flight deck full of cow boxes. That's amazing. I was in the bank the other day, and they was like, did you see all the boxes in the back? We got no computers. <laughs> I was like, just, I'm thinking in my head, man, there's an IT, there, there's a, there's an IT guy somewhere that's going to, that's going to have to deal with this. I just, I can't, I was just trying to imagine right. like what could go, what could happen next, but they're like, we got new computers. Okay. I don't know if that means much anymore, but anyways, you got a bunch of boxes, gateway boxes on the deck of the, what were you on? What kind of ship were you on? Are you even allowed to talk about this? Is this classified? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's a she's a reef now down in uh, the Florida area, but it was the USS LaSalle. It sunk. Yeah, yeah. She was she was used as target practice and uh, became a reef. That's awesome. Um, originally commissioned in the mid sixties. Uh huh. So by the time I got there in the mid nineties, she was pretty old. Uh huh. Um, but she was a great ship. Uh, six fleet flagship. So um, resp- the the staff for all the six fleet responsibility was on board. Uh, so it was. It was uh, great because with that responsibility, we got we really got a lot of the latest technology mm-hmm. uh, from both communications and IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were on par or better in some instances than some of the carriers at the time that had a lot of the more technology advanced uh, things on board. So it, it was a good first starting point for me. How were you guys communicating with the network? What kind of network did you have or what was it? Because if you're a radio man, you had to be doing something. What, what were you actually communicating? Yeah, I mean, it was ship-to-ship communications, satellite communications, um, just really for operations and things like that um, for for the Navy. Um, our network on board was, if I remember right, it was a 100 meg network. We weren't obviously at a gig yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first got there, we were Novell. Uh, we hadn't moved over to Microsoft yet. And sometime during my, my time there, we transitioned over to Windows NT uh, 4, not 3.5, but 4. And uh, I think we upgraded to Exchange 5.5 at the time. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, the big deal was all the computers, all the desktops had to get uh, go from 2 gig of RAM to 4 gig of RAM to really run NT well. Mm. So that was, I remember that being a big deal. Mm. The Exchange, I was asking you this the other day too. How many people, if you had to guess, how many people do you think are still on Exchange? And is and why? I guess the question would be well, why. It must be some kind of heavy lift to upgrade or something like that. Yeah, for if if you're still on on premise exchange, there's there's most likely a, a reason, a business reason for that. Um, just because it, it economically it makes too much sense to go to the cloud from a dollars and cents perspective uh, for three sixty five. Mm. So if you're running exchange today, my bet is it's really there's some business driver. It could be a segregated network that doesn't really have full access to, 
to uh, the internet, um, you know, you're, you're talking potentially um, you know, government, military, whether that's, you know, segregated networks or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's where I would put my money on people still running change on premise. But, you know, I'm sure there's still holdouts that just haven't, you know, haven't gotten to the point where the, you know, the leadership of the organization is ready to make that investment into the cloud. Um, you know, and it's, it's just not something that, that, uh, why would they not do it? In other words, is there any reason if I had to ask you, like, should you be on exchange still? Or like, like why, why should someone like get off it as soon as possible? It's such a commodity these days. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a toaster almost. You, You can kind of set it and forget it. Um, it, it, it's much more manageable if you're, if you're onto the cloud. You, you don't have to have the really the in-depth expertise that you need for an exchange admin on site. Um, once you move to a 365 or Google Cloud or, or, or what, you know, whatever you may choose, it really turns it into more of a commodity so that you know, there's less skill set involved um, and it's much easier to learn. Mm. So that, that would be my And opinion. time, I, I would imagine just time oh, in general. Yeah, for sure. Time. So let's fast forward here and let's get to the meat of this anyways. How, um, you had the experience, right? Uh, clearly you went from high school straight to the Navy, but you do have an MBA. I do. Um, so somehow somewhere in between all of that, that happened and, did the MBA and all that college education for the people out there that, I don't know, might decide to potentially go a different route, which I have eight kids and I tell them every day, like, don't do what I did, go to college. Um, and so many people would disagree with that, especially just so many family members, actually. <laughs> um, but what did it help? The MBA, did the college education help? Yeah, and you know, that's a question that comes up a lot in the IT space, uh, especially when you get into higher level leadership positions, um, you know, do you need the MBA to really be a part of the business and, and understand the business? And I think it helps from you know, general business understanding and, and maybe the lingo and things like that. Is it required? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's required. I think if, um, if you get out there and you make the relationships in the business, you can, you can understand, you can learn what needs to be learned without the MBA, I look at it as it's just another feather in your cap. If, if you can do it and you have the, the wherewithal to go through that process to get an MBA or, or to get that next, that, that grad degree. Okay. You know, so you mentioned like, so the, you, you mentioned the relationships. If you can, you said, if you can make the relationships. So yeah. say, so we'll, we'll talk about that for a second, but if you can't, I guess the question would be: Is if you can't make the relationships, does the F, does the MBA matter at all? Yeah, I would say probably not. Yeah. Um, so one thing's more important than the other. So one's more important than the other. What's what's the deal with the relationships? So to to give you a, I guess I'd call it a catchphrase that I use all the time: Technology is easy, people are hard, hmm. and. You know what I mean by that? I, I can't say I've ever worked anywhere in IT in technology where I was not surrounded by brilliant people. You know, really smart, ingenious people with initiative, and you know they can figure things out. You know, I don't I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I have people around me that are smart. Um, I just have to learn how to work with them. You know, I have to learn um, what motivates and drives them, and why those are the hard thing. I guess the question would be is why? Well, I mean, to, to build those connections and relationships, you know, one of the things that I've also- And, and the reason why I'm asking why is because IT yeah. used to hide out in the server closet. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> you know, so why now? Like, why is it so important now? Um, you know, the question always comes up about a seat at the table. You know, that's, that's really big in IT uh, over the last 10 years. You know, getting a seat at the table, uh, being a big part of the business. And you're not going to do that without making and building relationships across the business. Uh, that's just, that's a, that's a part of it. That's, it's a requirement. And that's why I say that is more important to me than the MBA. Um, you know, you, you have to be, a, be able to meet people 
on their terms. Um, and, and you have to be able to have those relationships. And, and without that, you're, you're not going to go as far as, as you really could with the business and technology. So give me one of the hardest people examples you can think of. So technology is easy, fix it. There's a, there's a solution to everything, but give me a, give me a hard example. The first thing that pops into your head that was like, yeah. this was difficult and this is how we dealt with it. Yeah, just um, more gen- gen- generic, you know, um, people that aren't as necessarily um, technology savvy, tech savvy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being able to meet them where they are and, you know, lead, lead them to water, so to speak, right? And if, if you can't make those connections to do that, you know, there's some people that don't want to change. They, they like what they do. They like the systems and the processes they have. And even though you could potentially make it 10 to 100 times better, it scares them, I think, in some instances, and, and they don't want to make that change. And so having that rapport and getting them to understand, you know, what the benefits for them are, uh, I think that's really critical. Um, and that's that's how you make it to that next step. I'm trying to think if there's an example in my life like that where I'm, like, scared to make the change. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would. Um, I'm trying to like put myself in their shoes, you know, like, like I get it. I can see my, my father, for example, is 85. Like I can see that from his perspective, but his, it's just a matter of just memory and utilizing the, these plethora of devices that are out there and how it throws his life out of whack on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Maybe simplifying it for people. So how do you bridge that gap? Right. How do you bridge well, the gap between, uh, I guess, you know, you're saying people are tough. So yeah, sometimes there's like, no, it's, it's just what you're dealing with. So what are we doing to bridge the gap? Yeah. And you know, you can't please everybody all the time. We, we know that. Um, but one thing that I think is big is, is dropping the ego. You know, um, a lot of people in IT, as I said earlier, you know, they're smart. Um, they're really intelligent people. And, and sometimes they can come across, like that. And, you know, dropping the ego, uh, being able to meet somebody where they're at, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. I think it's a huge part of it. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of the IT guys that I know that are in leader, leadership positions are not mm-hmm. really that good at IT. <laughs> they're not, they're sure. not, they've got their, they've got their power players f- filling in different gaps and holes in IT. But what they're really good at doing is just being a nice guy. Or, or girl, or just being a nice person that connects with people and, and understands how to connect the dots. And, and when there's, you know, put out fires, when there's fires going and at least, you know, you know, delegate tasks and do different things like that. It's really more of like a, it's, it's kind of like more of like a leadership role now for them, yeah. so to speak. And there, there's something to say too, for the art of making it their idea, right? If you, if you want something done that somebody else has to take action on, you make it their idea and you're, you're, you're that much closer to getting it done and let them take the credit. You know, that's, that's got me a long way as well. Um, again, it's, it's a lot of it's about ego, but find a way to, to, to have them feel like it, the idea is theirs or they have ownership in it. And if you can, if you can get them to that level, then, you know, if you're always more excited about your own idea than somebody else's. Right. And so you'll, you'll push harder for that. So for the new for the new people out there looking to grow fast in IT, the what are they going to do to focus on leadership? I guess maybe there's not enough. Like we were talking before, there's not enough emphasis in the IT world on leadership in general. Was there anything that you've done or read or or experienced that helped a lot? Maybe just being in the Navy probably helped a lot. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's. I would say the military is a it's probably looking back. That's a, that's a big part of the, of my background from a leadership perspective. I, I cringe when I hear people called managers and not leaders mm. um, because you, you manage things and you manage processes, but you lead people. And, you know, I, I don't see that translated a lot out in, you know, I can say outside of the military, it obviously does. Um, but I come across more times where people are managers, you know, they're looked at as managers and, I don't like to view people that way that are in leadership positions um, because being in a leadership position is about the staff that work with you and your peers that are also in leadership positions. 
Um, you so know, IT director is better than IT manager from a title standpoint. Maybe we can form a new title. What would the new title be? IT leader? It doesn't make sense. You don't call the CEO the leader either. Hmm. Right, right. IT leadership department. <laughs> I guess director. <laughs> 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 a bunch of people in there like staring like at you like what do I, what is that what do I do the, so so there's not enough focus on leadership don't like when people are called managers what 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 do we do what do we, how do we fix the problem how do we fix broken you know I, in listening to some of your shows um, mentorship is talked about a lot and Mentorship is, I think, a big part of that. But there, there's some, there's some things that I think people have um, some disillusions about with that. Formal mentorships are, from my experience, rare, where you actually formally say to somebody, "Hey, I want you to be my mentor and you, and to be your mentee." It's really finding those people that you admire mm. or you see that are, are really doing things the way that you would like them to be done or, or where you would like to get to at some point and then mm. just picking their brain on things. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. have to be something formal. Mm. Um, and, and really just try to gain nuggets from them just through questions that you ask. And how would you handle this situation? You know, and, and ask them questions. And um, that can be a mentor for you and they don't even know it. Mm. Uh, but you're gaining a lot out of that experience. Yeah, we should do a crazy boot camp too. Like live with the Navy yeah. SEAL, live with the Navy SEAL for 30 days, but it's like <laughs> IT, <laughs> live with an IT Navy SEAL for 30 days and, you know, get rid of the arrogance. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, you know, like jump in this frozen pond and see how arrogant you are now. Like, <laughs> the, exactly. uh, the, is there something to do? Is Can that even be broken? Can that be broken? How about this? Here's here's imagine this. Imagine you're you you give a, a project to a team of IT IT people, mm-hmm. five IT people. Okay, and it's a simple project. Maybe not that simple, but it's a project that maybe should take two weeks, and mm-hmm. it takes instead three months. Why do you think it took three months? Communication, communication, collaboration. Is, is, a, is a big part of that. I, I, every organization I've ever worked at, I would say one of the top three biggest challenges or issues in that organization is communication, in, mm-hmm. internal communication. Um, just getting getting the vision passed all the way down from the, the CEO or the mm-hmm. senior leader mm-hmm. all the way down to that frontline worker. Let me, let me getting that, getting that, that pass through is, is always the most difficult thing. From working with tons of IT directors, and tons of organizations. Here's something that I've seen very interesting that pops up. Mm-hmm. When you have IT managers, not IT leaders. Mm-hmm. What I find is, what do we say paralyzation by analyzation or analyzation or whatever that, you know that saying, you know, like paralysis right. by anal- over analysis or something like this. With them, mm-hmm. it's more like, Paralysis by over testing, analysis, uh, testing again, over analysis, checking with every single person on the team, making sure it's perfect, making sure that not a single end user is going to have a problem with it, being worried about anyone having a problem with it, being worried about maybe upper management complaining about something. How do the tickets get entered in the system? Is this the right flow? Literally, like uh, a project that would normally go to like maybe HR or something like this, but it's really an IT project, right? But somehow HR made the decision on it real quick, right? Because it was like about numbers and dollars and does it do this? And some salesperson sold them something and it was like a, like a, like a shadow IT thing happened, right? And then IT just had to deal with it. So it got implemented right away. And IT was like, why is, you know, they're all mad, right? So then we work in an organization that's an IT organization. So it flows through the proper departments, but it hits five to six very smart IT people. And I don't want to say arrogant, but like it's arrogant, but they're like smart. They don't want to make a mistake, but they wouldn't call it arrogance. And it's not really arrogance. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like the engineering tunnel mindset. You ever run into that? I have, yeah. I mean, you have to be able to make some calculated risks. And, and 
Well, I think that might get in the way with a lot of these. I think that might get in the way with a lot of people. It's like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to make a calculated risk or I don't know how to communicate change fast. I just know how to execute. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's one of the things you just said. It reminded me, um, indecision, right? Indecision is a decision to do nothing. Um, <laughs> a lot of people get caught. Or it's up. a decision to do a lot more work <laughs> to make yet not another decision. <laughs> right. Um, you you got to be ready to make a, a decision and we're not always going to get it right. Uh, mm-hmm. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, these are cliches, right? But I mean, it's it's kind of the brass tacks also. Um, fell up, fell fast, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. You know, make that decision. And, and I've seen people, it. I've seen people go down a decision, make a decision and then take forever to implement it. Mm-hmm. Only for it Seriously. to be the wrong decision also, on top of it all, to take six months to find out we made the wrong decision. Well, we just got to put it in now. I've just, uh, I've seen some interesting, technology can be so complicated and so widespread. And then if you add in personalities as well, I'm just wondering if there's like, really, if there, yeah, like a mentor, but are there some maybe themes? Are there some maybe mm-hmm. like, you know, um, paradigm shifts, so to speak, things like aha moments, anything that you've had or things that would be helpful to people out there listening to break maybe a certain mindset that they don't even know is a handicap. They might not even know. It's just, we've always done it this way. So I don't even know to say other, I don't know how to do it other ways because I've always thought this way. I've always been this way. Yeah. I mean, resistance to change, right? Um, but they might not even be resistant. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times we don't even know what's wrong with ourselves. Like how do you, if you don't even know that there's yeah. a problem, how do you know? Well, and, and where I've come across that is because, you know, people become stagnant. Um, you have to be a lifelong learner in IT. Uh-huh. You have to be, you have to make the decision that I'm always going to learn something. You know, you, every day you got to have Sweet. something that you can say that you learn. Boom, done. Um, what do we need to learn? So what should they learn that they, cause they might just pick up another like programming book. Like sure. seriously, so, like what, so, give me some ideas here. And you had mentioned a bunch of things not to do last time. Like maybe we hit on some of the things yeah. not to do and then, okay, so I don't do that, but what should I pick up and do to read? So the first thing they need to do is, is subscribe to your podcast and listen to all the people <laughs> that have already talked. Okay, good. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I, I've gotten quite a few things out of, out of, you know, some of the, give me one. I got, I got to so, know, I got to know because I just want to know that I'm not doing this like perilously forever for no reason whatsoever. So yeah, please tell you me. Know, I, I came, I came across this uh, podcast and I listened to like four or five, I binge listened to a few of them. Yeah. And uh, I think I posted on LinkedIn you know, for all my contacts, hey, you know, check this out. This is this is really good. But um, you know, trying to think. Uh, last time we talked, there was one specific thing that that um stuck out to me, and I'm trying to recall what that was. Um, oh, I remember what it was. Um, you know, you you can't go into an organization expect them to trust you if you don't get the basics right. You know, if if you're if if you can't meet SLAs on your service desk, like people's. Uh, things are broken and you can't get them fixed in a timely manner and it's impacting the work. You know, you, you got to be able to do the basics really good. Okay. And when you get that nailed down, then you start gaining trust and you can start reaching out to other parts of the organization to, to build more and more relationships. But if you don't do the basics, if you don't do the foundational stuff good, really well, it's going to hold you back. So, you know, for example, that's something that I, that I picked out um, that I thought was, uh, I, and I can't remember a, who it was that, that, uh, uh, which guest was that said that, but I thought it stuck out to me. Got to get the basics right. Smooth flowing help desk. Hopefully no problems at all. Lower the tickets, SLAs. Yes. Right. People know who you are. I probably, that should be one. Who's our IT guy? You know how many companies I've worked for? I have no clue. I have no clue who was sending out my laptop. I have no clue who replaced my phone. Absolutely no clue at all, nor did I care. And I did not care if I dropped my computer out of the car and it broke haphazardly. I was an important person that needed a new computer right away. Yeah. I was like the worst end user that someone could have. I'm admitting it right now. I'm, you know, because it, because admitting it is like part of like the recovery process. Right. <laughs> I was a horrible end user. I was there. I was the worst. <laughs> Shadow IT, 
Check. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, dual factor authentication. No way. Not, I don't even. No way. I would never do that. I would. I would be the guy to ask to shut it off if I was forced to do it. I'd actually put up a sting for that. Numerous and, problems. And, I'm a problematic guy and user. <laughs> and I'm a big. Um, I'm a big fan of audiobooks. You know, not, over the last year and a half, we really haven't had that much of a commute, yeah. so to speak, uh, due to COVID. But prior to that. You know, if, if you have a 30 minutes, an hour commute one way, or even if that's round trip, you can go through a lot of audiobooks. Um, just going back and forth to work in your car. Audiobooks is... Uh, you can learn a lot that way. It, it changed my life. I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I do not listen to music. I only listen to audio. I've learned other languages. Spreak. I mean, yeah. uh, not... um. What's wrong with me? Pimsler, man. Pimsler. Yeah. I'm a horrible language student. Horrible. Pimsler... That thing, that is the way to learn a language in uh, three months. Within three months, you can learn any language in three months. General speaking, general, like regular, go to the country, speak, get, get, get around. Um, so what was it? The Phoenix Project? Have you listened to that yet? I have, yes. Yeah, I've so that's a huge. That, that's a, you know, that, 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 see what's good about that is that book then, you know, that leads you on to other books, right? So- the goal, um, which is about the theory of constraints. I, I you know, that, that came out of the Phoenix project because a lot of that's based on the theory of constraints with, you know, continuous integration, continue, continuous development integration um, and, and DevOps in general. So, hmm. you know, listening to these books um, or podcasts even, right? Um, instead of music or instead of, uh, you know, just, just driving. Oh, we waste uh, so much up, time, you know, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. It's, it's from Twitter to whatever you kind of zone out with and like just burn exactly. your brain out. It's, it's, if we really were focused, I'm really, I love the, um, oh man, what was it? Um, ah, my brain just stopped. So never mind. But uh, we, we waste a ton of time. We do. Um, and that's an easy way to reclaim time and, and learn while you're doing it. I mean, what else are you going to, you're sitting in your car, you're driving, you know? Um, what else are you going to do? You can learn during that time. So it's, that's something that I think has helped me a lot. Uh, audiobooks. I, I like to read, but I, I listen to audiobooks more than anything because it, it's an easy way to consume the material. Well, it's an easy way to review because most of knowledge retention, most of knowledge retention is review, is reviewing. Right. And most people, when you read a book, you never pick up that book again. You never reread a book. You might take some notes on the side, you know what I mean? You might do that. But most of retention of knowledge goes through like review and not just rereading it because you're not going to re retain it that way. It comes from like taking notes on the side, then reviewing your notes and doing all that stuff. An audiobook you can listen to over and over and over again. Right. Oh, there's, I have many audiobooks that I listen to over and over. Uh, especially and, and if it's like a skill-based thing, you know? Yeah, and a lot of times I get something different. You know, when I get an audiobook, I, I say to myself, let me get two to three things out of this book the first time I listen to it. If I can get two to three things that stick with me, I'm happy that, you know, that was a success. Yeah, yeah. The, <clears throat> you actually gave me uh, from our talks last time a summary. Um, we kind of summarized the whole piece of, well, first of all, why, why is all of this important? Right, like why, mm -hmm. why is all of this important to a business to begin with? Uh, listening, I don't know, uh, learning to communicate with people, uh, whatever it is, like new leader, looking as uh, IT as a leadership. I mean, we've been speaking kind of like, I don't know, might be kind of like vague from now, kind of vagaries. But mm -hmm. what, what's the real purpose? Like, if 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 someone doesn't do this, what's going to happen? If someone doesn't, yeah. if you're in IT and you don't learn how to lead and communicate with people um, and you don't learn, I don't know, if you don't get the basics right, which is just kind of step one, like, okay, you, you're hired. What, you know, for people that are kind of like growing up in IT and want to speed up the process, is it necessarily go get another certification? Is it necessarily do all these things to try and like further your brain? Like, like the human being can only do so much, can only learn, mm -hmm. can only, you can't specialize in, every, in anything. So, what should you specialize in? And if it's, you want to actually grow in IT, then it would be, you know, leadership. If you want to still kind of just be a, a, you know, I think you mentioned worker B before, then be a worker B and be ready to jump from company to company and make 
whatever your base salary is a year and, and clock in and clock out every day and be happy with that. Or right. maybe you want more. And so why is the leadership piece important? What, like at the, at the top of it, what's the, what's behind all of this? Like, what's the most important thing? If we pull back the curtain, you know, no one gets through the seat of the wizard. Like what's the real, what, what's the wizard? What, what levers is he moving and, and who is it and why? Yeah, I, I think there's two things that, that you need to look at there. One is at an IT director level, senior manager, you know, even in some places, VP level, you're middle management, you're, you're mid-level management in an organization. And the, to me, that is a really key spot for businesses uh, because you are in the middle. You have one foot in strategy and one foot in tactics, and you're that bridge. So you you can be in, in the place where you understand the vision and the mission really well, because you're in a position where you, you have that available to you to understand that from the senior executive leadership. Mm-hmm. But then you also, you know, you're working daily with your frontline workers and with your, you know, your, your mm-hmm. frontline leader. And so you are that, that gap that can take that vision, that strategy and, be able to apply it down to the frontline workers. I think that's one one really big thing. I've um, never had someone in my life say that middle management is important and you just made them like the hero. <laughs> it's true, man. Because when I think about it, yeah. when I think about the people that made the biggest difference in my life, like kind of growing up, like when I started at this like Cisco startup company, it mm-hmm. was... Yeah, it was my mid. It was it was Walter Domler who who looked at me and basically said, "Phil, I'm just middle management." But the guy had such an effect on my life, and we became like the top team in the company. And it was really because of him. And he might not yeah. even been the best at what he did, but he was the best at like coddling people. He was a coddler. I'm going to, I'm going to tag Walter Domler in this. this. He's going to laugh. And and he's still, he was just, he's just like, like a, like a good dude. I don't know how else to say it. He was just like, you know, he cared about everybody. No one disliked him. He was like that person that was like a communicator. Right. And, uh, I worked hard for him and he was good at able, he was able to like, you know, communicate from, from the top down and like kind of maybe get me in control from time to time. But, uh, I think that's a good middle, middle management is the one that has the view to the CEO has, Mm -hmm. has that basically probably sits in on meetings, gets like some, uh, metrics, whatever, EBITDA, if no one knows what EBITDA is out there, you should probably figure that one out if you want to be in any type of IT leadership position. Absolutely. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just figure that out. Um, and if you don't know how to spell it, uh, Google it, try a few different things. Um, EBITDA, the EBITDA. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm doing that right, I may have a couple of those out of order. But yeah. Um, you know, earnings before... You, I gotta go, you know, whatever interest, um, de- interest depreciation, sure. whatever, you know what I mean. The, yeah. the, so know that, right? But why? Why is the why? Why does the CEO care about that? He's trying to drive that, right? And mm-hmm. why do the people at the front line? They don't care. They just want to. I'm just get me paid, man. Okay, well you'll get paid if you can do this, and you can understand why you're doing what you're doing because it's uh, here's the greater goal. Why would an IT director, I mean, sorry, why would an IT manager care? You, you know, that's... Maybe that's the wrong question. What no, what I, I, should an IT manager do? But yeah, why should he care? Well, he, he should care selfishly because he's going to lose his job. He's going to get replaced sure. by somebody else. But what... That you're you're an there's an IT manager out listening to this show. He's going to listen to this show. What should he do? Ah, oh, that's that's the million dollar question, right? Um, you know, going back to to that, you know, bridging the gap. Um, you know, IT has a good visibility across the whole company. Well, how about this? What did you do? Here's here's the better question. What do you, sure. what do you do? 
Because I know I you don't just sit and I know you don't just hide, shut the server room door and hide. Yeah. What do you do? I try to make those around me better. You know, that that's one thing. Give me an example. Um, Think of one. The last time you made some, I don't know, you, you've had to have made someone cry. Everyone makes someone cry. I've made plenty <laughs> of people cry. So let me put people in a position to succeed, right? Okay. So you may have somebody on your team, uh, you, you're working on a project and um, they, maybe they're junior and you give them the opportunity to, to be a, a lead on that project. Okay. And, and you start, and here's what happens. Maybe, you start to see them go down the three month hole and it needs to get done in two weeks. No. What do you do? Do you coach them? What do you do? Yeah, Absolutely. And, and where I was going is, you know, you may have somebody that comes to you with a plan for this project that's 70% of what maybe you would do, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, it's 70% of your plan, but you let them run with that because it gives them ownership. And then you help and guide them through that other 30% because the majority of that is theirs. They own it. And when people have ownership of things, uh, they, they, they take more account in, into what they're doing. Um, so if you're so, really good at delegating and I'm asking selfishly here because I have eight children, I'm the king delegator. I'm the, I am the king delegator. If mom is gone, it's like you go help him brush his teeth. You go give that one a bath, empty the dishwasher, sweep that up. I'm like the king delegator. And my wife likes to do, and this is just a metaphor. Obviously it would be like that at work too, but it was like, you know, some of it's, much more complicated, especially when you're trying to teach someone else to delegate and not do the job themselves. That's a tough thing. Absolutely. I don't know the solution to that. I'm hoping you have the answer. <laughs> How do you teach someone to delegate? How do you teach someone to let go? You know, it's like, you don't have to be a perfectionist. If you're a perfectionist, you're screwed. That's, that's gotta be the answer. Yeah. Definitely. Because my wife you know, wants the f- f- clothes folded this way. If, if I let them do the laundry, it won't get folded this way. Who cares? You won't be doing laundry anymore. How about that? Think about this. Yeah. You yeah. won't be doing laundry. Who cares how it gets folded or teach them how to fold it? Or you got to teach them how to fold it, but you got to be okay with them maybe trying, maybe figuring it out a new way because it doesn't all have to be done the same way. Right. You don't have all the answers. That's, that's why I say, you know, go, run with it will run with their 70%, right. And, and see what that, what that gives you. And then you feel, but you help fill in the gaps and that's through coaching, mentoring. Um, okay. Those are big words. You know, those are big words that people get scared of and it doesn't have, again, you're going to coach me right now. You're going to coach around. Um, I'm scared. So let's do it together. You know, show me, show me what mm. you're, that's show a leader. Your, that's a leader. Show me what your next steps are. And yeah, that's I a leader. You're, you're going to, I'm, yeah, I'm scared. Up, I'm okay. scared to go into battle. All right. Follow me. Yeah. Let's do it together. That's deep, simple, but deep. So simple. <laughs> Remember what it about is. Bob? Usually, it's so it simple. simple. Baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> simple, but not easy. A lot of the times, right? No, it's not easy because everyone's scared and people don't want to do yeah. it. And they're impatient. And they, they delegate something because they don't want to do it. Um, delegate maybe the stuff that you like doing. That's another thing too. Um, yeah. uh, th- that's interesting. Sometimes I do things and people are like, you're, the other thing is, is like, you might do something that you're really good at. And people tell you you're really good at it. And you're like, stop, this is easy. This is like stupid stuff. But they don't, but you don't, it's easy to you, but it might not be easy to them. So that might be the thing that you need to like teach people as well. Like, what do you do? That's really easy. Obviously you're in the, you're in the, the more of the IT leadership role. So you must be doing something that other people didn't do. Yeah. I, you know, if, if I had to look back at that, I, I did a lot and we touched on this briefly um, earlier. I, I, I watched Right. And I did most of the, most of the things I learned was what not to do. And I had said that earlier, I, I've there. Mm. And for those listening that are working right now with that bad leader, that mm. manager, mm. you know, learn from that, learn what not to do. <laughs> um, you know, don't just, yeah. don't just throw your hands up and, and go. So, you know, the great resignation, right. Go somewhere else. Learn, learn what not to do. Get as huh. much as you can out of the situation before you move on. 
and then apply that. Hmm. Wow, I'm thinking of the worst boss I ever had right now. That was easy to learn what not to do. That was like really easy. That was the the simple lesson. Uh, Don't harass people. Don't get fired for for sexual harassment. Um, It was like, you know, don't put people down. Don't say that you're better than everyone else. Uh, You know, it's got... (laughs) Yeah, and learning what not to do, that's not intuitive. You know, that's that's something you have to actively say, oh, this, what they're doing, I would never do that, you know. How could I do it? How could I do it better? Put that in your Rolodex, right? Put put it in your Rolodex. If, if people still today know what a Rolodex is, um, put it, put it in your Rolodex and, and use that in the future when you come across a similar situation. I'm going to leave, well, I'll, I'll leave one thing. Well, I'll ask you for one final thing here, but sure. before we do that, the, one of the things, and I'm just sharing this because for me, it's such a huge deal and I don't do it enough. And I think the more I say it, maybe the more I'll do it. And that is just thank people. Like just have like uh, have like a reminder on the mirror every day that's like just call one person and thank them. Just just be tell your kids what they do good. Cause like when you're a driver and you're a leader, you're always looking at how to improve. You're always so everyone hears from you what they need to do better. It's like almost all the time. Whereas it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like you get so much more from like encouraging people telling them to do more of that. That was awesome. That was amazing. You know, when we think about the people that we really like to working for, that we'd go to battle for, that we'd jump in front of a moving car for, right? They're always the most patient, calm, like they're teaching, they're sacrificing their time. They're sacrificing mm-hmm. their time for you. They're always calm. You, you're like, you look at them and you're like, how do you not blow up at that person? Like, how, you know, and you ask them and they say something inside like, well, believe me, inside my head I was. And you're like, well, you're a better guy than me. <laughs> you know, that to me is, it's just when I think, when I think, when I can think of like the really good leaders also is to, is to model after them. Right. So if you had one final statement for anyone out there listening to the show, um, what is it? You know, what's the one thing that you've been just dying to like, you, you, you would just like, if you had to like drive this one thing home, what would it be? The, the one of the most important things I've learned in my career that helps and helps a business helps a business succeed in its mission if they really take advantage of it is IT touches every part of the business right technology drives businesses today there's there's probably not a lot that you're going to see anybody do at work that doesn't require some kind of technology because IT touches every part of the business they have a hand in every business process for the most part either through facilitating that with technology um, or um, just in general being a part of that process. So what, what really people need to understand is IT has that vision across the organization of all the business processes. And they're the ones that can figure things out and, and really understand how to, to bridge the gaps, how to build efficiencies. You know, that's the one the one thing that I think I've learned most is, you know, IT touches everything and we have the ability to impact everything. So when that, when an organization really understands that and, and takes hold of that, it can transform a business. And, you know, that's an IT buzzword, business transformation, digital transformation. That really can happen because IT understands all aspects of the business in, in most situations. I just, I haven't written an article in a long time. And usually when I do, it's, this this one's going to be, this is going to be, it's going to be a letter to my CEO <laughs> or a message to my CEO. And we want, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't bring, I forgot about the spell check, the viral spell check problem that you had. Everyone that wants to hear a really good story, because <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate or not. You know, this is going to be on LinkedIn. Probably not. <laughs> if you want to, you know, if you want to hear a um, great viral email story that got sent out to thousands of people on a naval ship that just brought on like thirty percent women and the viral uh, spell check. Wait, what was the word that it was supposed to say? Oh, Pentium. I think you guys can guess on what Pentium got changed to by the spell check in the system and how great all of our new Pentiums, but that word got changed. And we've got a lot of Pentiums on board for everybody. 
Everybody gets a Pentium on their desk. They love the new Pentium. <laughs> Spell check changed that one. So this is, you know, this is the late mid mid to late nineties. Uh, Pentium wasn't in the dictionary yet, so it was, it was brand new. So click send. Yeah, there is no. Uh, and what would have been really funny is if you put a read receipt on that too. <laughs> All right. So the, yeah, it's going to be a message to my CEO. IT touches every, uh, IT touches every part of the business. It impacts everything. And the last part of that letter to the CEO is going to say, so spend money on us. I like it. You know, thank you so much for being on the show. This was uh, outstanding. I really look forward to it. And uh, we're going to have to get, I really hope people listen to this entire 53 minutes because the real meat of this show is in like the last half hour. Um, So, man, uh, best of everything to you in the future. And uh, let me know, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show and we can talk more about this. Um, We should do a show, we should reverse engineer this and do a show to all of the C-levels. You know, we should do yeah, a show. We should do go. a show specifically for uh, all this, all the C levels that are not in IT. It'd be good. We just if if we'll get them to listen to it, it'd be awesome. We'll figure out. We'll we'll somehow uh, we'll have to use some kind of um, we'll, we'll 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 use an email phishing tactic. <laughs> we'll use we'll use we'll use the best we'll find the best email phishing hacker guy on the planet to get them to click on uh, to click on the email. That's what we're gonna have to do. We'll use what do we call that? Something bait or something? Clickbait. We'll have to use some really good clickbait. We'll find some really good clickbait. They'll listen to the whole show and then we'll say, and you should have never clicked on this to begin with. So that's why you should also give us more money. So, all right, Anthony, thank you so much. Thank you, Phil, for putting this together. It's uh, it's, it's a great podcast. I, I do appreciate it.